Good morning, and welcome back to the Moms Talk Autism podcast. If you could only be here in studio with us right now, you wouldn't want to be. <laughs> Today, we're going to do another grab bag episode. Um, but what we decided to do this time with you guys is take all of your behavior questions. So things like different types of stimming or challenging behaviors that you're seeing and questions that you guys have sent into us. And we are going to have a behavior themed episode. So stick around and we'll be back in a moment. When you become a mom, you never imagine your child getting an autism diagnosis. It feels like your dreams have shattered, like a framed photograph falling off your mantle, exploding into a thousand pieces. But instead of trying to glue those pieces back together, this community of moms is here to help you build a new dream, a better one. So join in the conversation as us moms talk autism. All right. So I'm going to apologize in advance for my nasally um, voice. And Brittany is going to apologize in advance for her echoey surroundings. And we're just going to apologize in advance for Tosh and Our co co-host. <laughs> <laughs> just because. Because, yeah. We're just going to... We should mm-hmm. do that every time. Yeah. We're just going to throw out just a blanket apology for just, everything that's about to happen giggling. in the next 45 <laughs> minutes. It's good because Tosh has all the energy that no one else has this morning. So, um, Good thing I didn't drink fun. that Energize. I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, that I, might not be a good idea. I <laughs> well, did drink it. It might, yeah. Well, also it might be the ADHD that actually aids in that too, which actually. Oh, I, I didn't even little... take my medicine. I'm gonna pause real well, quick. You guys, yeah, start. I'll be see? right back. Now, now it all makes sense. Now we have the reason. Now we have the reason. Um. So you guys, <laughs> we have a handful. I'm gonna rein it back in here because otherwise we're gonna be here for three hours. Um. We have a handful of behavior questions. So. I am just going to start at the top and we are going to throw down our answers and we're going to see how many we can get through in like 45 minutes. Sound like a plan? I love the plan. Okay. Um, Also, I'm in a very high tech studio right now and my husband has to come in to get clothes out of my high tech studio, which is my closet because he had to ride his motorcycle home in the rain. So um, I'm going to throw out this question and you guys are going to answer it and I'm going to mute myself for a moment. (laughs) Sounds good. Okay. Do what you got to do. Question number one is how do you handle self-harming as she gets older? She's currently three. Do you think it's likely to stop or get worse? You two get started on that one for me. Okay. Okay. So I think out of the four of us, yes. Okay. So I might be a little echoey, everybody. I am not in my current home right now. I'm on vacation. So I'm not in my usual setup here. So I apologize if this doesn't sound great, but um, this is Brittany, by the way. (laughs) Um, I think my child is the only one who does self-harm currently. Is is that correct? No, Rory does it too. Jean's shaking her head. Okay. So Rory does it too. So we can both answer this. Okay. So um, how do I handle self-harming? Well, there's a lot of different things I do, um, but a lot of it is I, there's not a lot you really can do um, in some cases. So we have... Um, we have met with professionals. We've talked to doctors about it. Um, I've met with behaviorists, an ABA, an OT, and talked to people who have, you know, gone to school and have um, done studies and, and worked on these kinds of things and tried to glean as much information as I can of how I can help Austin um, when he is self-harming. When Austin self-harms, he tends to hit himself in the head with his hands Um or he'll slap his stomach or his legs. Um, and that that's the form it takes right now. It certainly can change. Um, it was, it started when he kind of entered the preteen years into the teen years. So basically puberty. And, um, 
it can happen out of the blue, or it can also happen because he is being denied access to something. Um, or, you know, we've told him he can't do that, or, you know, we're, we're asking him to do something he doesn't want to do. He will, he will act out and self-harm. Um, I don't really know. I mean, we try to distract him. We try to move his hands and, and hold him. We try to give him deep pressure. We try to, these are all things I've learned from like OT and other specialists. Um, I've learned a couple of different holds I can do if things get really bad. Um, it's, there's not great answers. I don't know, girls, like it's, I can't, I can't say whether, this person's daughter is going to continue to do that or it's going to get worse mm-hmm. or it's going to get better. There's just no way to know that. It's just too individual. Um, it's too individual. It has certainly increased with puberty for us. And um, I am hoping it will decrease as we exit out of that stage and enter, you know, adult hormones. Um, but there is no guarantee. Um, yeah. We are currently seeing an OT once a week, a private OT, um, and she is helping me come up with a plan on how to get him self, help him find appropriate ways to self-regulate. A lot of the times when he is self-harming, it's it's a sensory issue for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think from that whole list of professionals you have spoken with, I've, I've done the same um, and, and honestly, they themselves will say you, you'll see the whole gamut. You'll see it gets better or it gets worse, you know, or it kind of maintains kind of a, at a similar level, um, on a consistent basis. And, you know, it can be really traumatic, um, to, to be for when it's persisting, um, even when it's not, and you're scared that it will come back or when's the next time it's going to happen. Uh, so originally Vori didn't have self-interest behaviors, uh, which made me feel like, Oh, well, that's great. Cause he, <laughs> he was in a, you know, assessed within the more severe subtype. And I felt, okay, well that's kind of promising. Well, over really mainly this year, I've, I've, it definitely increased. It was seen at school. It was seen at home with therapy. Um, it is expressing, sometimes it's even expressing happiness. Um, sometimes I think he likes the deep input that he feels from it. It's like self-soothing. Um, he, he bangs his wrists together or he bites them. Um, he was getting sores. Uh, he was then using his wrist and hitting his head or hitting his, hitting his legs. Um, and then he has that like trectomalia or whatever, where he, you know, excessive nail and skin biting. And he tends to do it until he bleeds and has boo-boos. Um, you know, and that, and that's the thing. And that's a form of self-interest behaviors. What we've done to, what I always look to do first is ha- can I replace the behavior? Because if I try to extinct it, it's going to usually materialize in another way, or at least that's what I found. So I always look, well, is there a way I can replace it? And so the one thing that we did with, with the hand hitting was that if we saw him do it, we'd redirect him to do hand squeezes, squeeze hands or ask offer if he wants to squeeze our hands. Um, instead of him doing that to himself. So again, giving a replacement and possibly getting the same or similar input without actually hurting himself. Has it been a hundred percent effective? No, but it's been somewhat effective. We saw a decrease in it and in his own frequency of doing it, but now we're about to, you know, about to return back to school and demands will increase and schedules will change whatever. I, and I don't know. And I don't know if this being, you know, if we're trending towards, this is going to be more pronounced going into his adolescence or not. I don't, I don't know. Um, obviously another tool and Brittany use too is, you know, both our children are medicated and we're constantly 
seeking, you know, which, what is the balance here with our children's medication to, to help with that, to minimize and have that self-regulation that we need. So yeah, that's the, it's a long answer of the SIB question. That's, did they ask it as SIB or did they actually write, uh, self-injurious mm. behaviors? Uh, handle self-harming. Is what okay. All right. So, so you'll hear, okay. So for those that don't know, if, especially if you start walking into this arena, it, you'll in medical, in the medical field and educational field, you'll see it labeled as SIB, self-injurious behaviors, um, especially when they're looking at functions of behavior. So. Mm-hmm. Tosh, you have anything you want to throw into that? Um, no, Jack, <clears throat> Jack has never been a, mm-hmm. or he hasn't, you know, at this point been self-harming ever. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. he is to other people <laughs> so, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. They all have their moments. Right. Um, yes. and I think Gracie, Gracie's about the same. The only thing that Gracie has done is how Rory does the excessive like nail biting or like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're nervous and you'll like chew your cuticle mm-hmm. line, that sort of thing. Gracie will do that. Um, yeah. luckily that so, has not been a thing lately. Knock on wood. <laughs> More of the, an ob- obsessive, you know, an OCD. <gasps> well, she likes to paint her mm-hmm. nails and that probably helps her. Well, she to... likes to paint her nails and then pull it off with her teeth. <laughs> well, that's the replacement, uh, right? But that's that. I do, I do too. <laughs> yeah, it, well, and Gracie has always been very like, you know, one of her sensory things is oral sensory. Yeah, so yeah. she's always been very orally sensory seeking. So um, like Jean had said, replacing behaviors, we have sensory chews like necklaces that we get Gracie. And so if she's being super chewy, which is what we call it, she's being mm. very chewy today. Um, we will toss <laughs> one of those necklaces on her. Can we cue chewy. Chewbacca? <laughs> Anybody she, want to attempt she, that? Yeah. So, um, no. She doesn't do it though in a she's never been in a self-harming manner though, right? No, I mean I don't think intentionally she's done. Yeah. Like but she's like I you know, that would be considered like a, a nail biter or somebody who, you know, more I like mm-hmm. I guess what I'm getting at is more of an obsessive obsessive behavior, an OCD. Uh, either know. that or I mean like I'm a nail biter if I'm stressed, right? Like it's all right. it's right. you know, it's all yeah. us trying to regulate ourselves. So Yeah, Mm -hmm. pretty much. Hmm. All right, let's move on. Um, What obsessive behaviors do you experience with your kiddos? That's so fitting for me right now, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. Gracie lately Mm -hmm. has had a lot of obsessive behaviors. And I mean, I I actually had a conversation with her pediatrician the other day because I told him I'm – I'm trying to decide if she has a little bit of OCD on top of her autism, because we know that that is another diagnosis that goes hand in hand with autism. Mm -hmm. Um, But autism itself has obsessive tendencies. So our kiddos can get what we call like stuck or looped on something where it's very hard to, once they're focused on it, to get them to disengage with, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that activity is. And so I feel like we're seeing more of those with Gracie lately where um, she's getting really stuck on certain activities and when she can't have it or needs to be removed from whatever it is for whatever reason, um, she is really struggling emotionally with Mm -hmm. it. Um, So we're trying to figure out, you know, is this like still in line with like, okay, these are the more common autistic behaviors that she's exhibiting, or do we maybe have an overlap on something that we really need to pay attention to so that we can help her, you know, the best way that we can. Mm -hmm. Um, But for Gracie right now, those more obsessive behaviors would be, um, I mean, everybody knows if they follow us on Instagram, she loves painter's tape. So she loves to like make things with painter's tape. She would painter's tape our entire house if we would let her, Um, you know, her new thing has been taking painter's tape and wanting to tape Mickey Mouse, her stuffed Mickey. She holds his hand and then she'll tape their hands together and then she'll walk around with Mickey on her hand <laughs> like all day. Um, so those are some of them, which cute, so cute until she can't do it anymore. So and cute. then it is miserable for everyone in the house. Right. So um, that's one of her yeah. obsessive things. Um, what else have I whined you guys about lately? I can't think of some of the other things. <laughs> That's like top of mind right now. Is that what about you guys? There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> Where 
you know, I, again, like a lot of that is managing Lori's impulses because he will have so many of those obsessive behaviors and they become, they can be dangerous, like unscrewing light bulbs and throwing them. Mm. Now we have shatterproof light bulbs and just so everybody knows they work. Highly recommend get them. Um, it just wasn't stopping. Uh, the need to watch and listen to the same songs over and over and over and over and over and over and over, over and watch same everything over and over again. It's just like our norm. And uh, that's changed. And that's not bad. We're not. But the same thing is, is that if these are things that he usually has access to, like, for instance, when, you know, we during the big great freeze in Texas last year and nobody had internet power or anything. That was a real, <laughs> Oh yeah. That's, a, how, that's that was, that was a real conundrum. Um, managing all of, meeting my child's obsessive needs. Um, why we had, you know, our environmental factors were completely infringed upon. Um, so yeah, there's, and the constant, uh, he's, he, he wants like a best friend. So he keeps, he likes the idea of one of his friends being his best friend. And he keeps talking about it over and over and over again, like making up scenarios like, Oh, we're going to mm. do this. Like how it makes sense in his mind. Uh, so, yeah. That's, I think those are the main. Yeah. And I think like Gracie does a lot of watching the same thing too, like on YouTube or whatever. Gracie does a lot of that. She's yeah. also obsessed. They're with all not. Yeah. They're all right not. Now. They're not all, again, they're not all bad. Yeah. They just, it's bad when they don't, they don't have the flexibility um, to go with the flow when the flow needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. have no control of certain things. Mm-hmm. Brittany, you look very pensive right now. Oh, you're muted. Oh. The laundry list is uh, very mm-hmm. long for <laughs> obsessive behavior. So I'm trying to decide which ones to talk about. Otherwise, I would just take over the whole recording today. <laughs> um, Austin can get obsessive about certain shows he watches. Uh the way uh, all the doors have to be closed in the house and all the lights Mm -hmm. have to be on all the time. Um, He will switch the light switches on and off, on and off, on and off um, in no particular pattern or quantity. It's just, I think he just likes to hear the clicking noise. I'm not really sure. And see the lights. Uh, He will unlock and relock doors over and over again, like the little deadbolt locks. Uh, he likes to throw things into corners of the house. Um, he doesn't go and get them again. He just leaves them there. Um, so toys, books, water, food, shoes, anything. Um, he'll, if anything's out and about on a counter or the floor or anywhere, he'll pick it up. He'll fiddle with it for a minute. And then he throws it into one of a dozen corners in the house, pillows and the, the the piles just get bigger and bigger. And I, we've all learned to just leave them there until the evening. And then I pick everything up because if you put it away, he'll just do it again. If it stays there, he doesn't touch it. It's, I don't, I don't know. I can't explain it. Um, he's obsessed with throwing things over into the neighbor's yards. Um, I've talked about that before. <laughs> uh, I could, I don't know. I just go on and on and on. He, um, it's very impulsive. It's very there. There, I think there is an obsessive compulsive, uh, mm-hmm. you know, aspect to it. Um, haven't explored that medically yet, but um, looking mm-hmm. into it, and um, he can. Uh, it's a lot of it's stimming too. There's a lot of stims. He likes to wave things in front of his face, um, and he will also vocal stim as well. Um, so, uh, moaning and making, you know, just vocalizations as a way to, um, calm himself down. I don't, I'm not really sure why he does it. I, I would assume it's a self-regulatory thing. 
Okay. So with Ruby, she tends to, um, she's a toe walker sometimes. Um, she could be a little obsessive about that. And, but hers tend to be a lot more of vocalizations and I mean, not, not vocalizations, but, um, uh, repetitive, um, uh, just, she just repeats the same things over and over and over again. She has language, she has spoken language, but for instance, um, she, she wants to have conversations. She wants to have back and forth, but she doesn't really know how to do that. She doesn't know how to have, um, more of an abstract conversation. So she tends to just make a lot of statements and then she wants you to respond to those statements. She wants to be in control. And, um, for instance, She'll say, look, mom, the sky is blue. And if I don't respond, she will repeat the sky is blue until I say, yes, the sky is blue. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to, I can't even just say, yeah, sometimes I can, but it's a lot of that. Um, we'll try to have sit around the dinner table. I'll try to talk to my other kids or I'm talking to my husband and she constantly interrupts and is saying things mm-hmm. like your eyebrows are pretty today, or look at my rice on my plate or, um, my, I have 10 toes and you know, she, she just, it's, it's just a constant, uh, stream of, of little, little observations that she has made that are concrete and that she can feel like she's participating in the conversation. So, um, Mm -hmm. and that's really, really important to her, but it's hard to balance it out. And then you try to like dive deeper into the conversation and talk about why the sky is blue and she's, she's gone. She's not interested. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot like Jack too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where her obsessive behavior, she does, she does like her after school routine and her morning routines. And if you disrupt the rhythm of her day, um, she's not very appreciative of that. There is some flexibility because you can explain a little bit with her and you can redirect. Um, but she would much prefer to do the same thing every day and eat the same thing at every meal and kind of have a a definite rhythm to her day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, to all of the above. Yeah. (laughs) Can that be my answer to all the the three girls above what they all said? No. um, Jack is diagnosed with OCD and um, I will hopefully be able to share when we launch this episode, but what the four, there's four, um, obsessive compulsive, uh, behaviors and whether you're mild or moderate or severe, um, obviously severe is, um, it interrupts your daily living. Um, but Jack definitely has the, I can't remember what they are now, but the, the thought one. So will he, he will have obsessive thoughts that he cannot get away from. And until I can, um, like concrete say, like, this is what's going to happen. Or I can really make him understand that, yes, we will do this. Or yes, you know, they are going to be here at this time or or whatever it might be. He cannot let go of it. He cannot stop talking about it. He will ask a million times. Um, and then he does have some some of the physical obsessions uh, with certain things. And, and a lot of it too is um, a little bit sensory driven, where if there is a <clears throat> string on his shirt. You know, I can't not just cut it off. If I, if, if it's on there, he will fiddle with it until he's, it's, you know, drove him crazy essentially where he will, you know, be melting down about having it cut off or me fixing it. Um, a perfect example is, uh, when he was at VBS, one of the days they did a costume or dress, you know, a yeah costume day or whatever. And his little pirate costume, the um, right at the seam, it came undone because you know cheap costume, and I wasn't there that day. And he, it was all he could talk about to the two, um, you know, uh, leaders in his group. Um, luckily, obviously, he was in the special needs group, but um, and they were able to handle it to where he could do it. But it was, you know, it, he t- it was all he talked about for the entire BBS from when it happened to, you know, me picking him up. And then that was the first thing that he had to tell me. And then he asked me a good 10 plus times on the way home if I could sew it that night, if I was going to fix it that night, you know, and he had to know, I had to say, yes, I'm going to fix it. I will fix it tonight. Um, so yeah, yeah, 
Rory is the same exact and way. And then the same thing, but, like with G, you know, with all of you girls, like it, I will listen to Jack watch his iPad and he will play a certain part over and over and over. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, can you please just, can we please just move on to the next part? You know, it's like, at first I'm like, is he trying to just find a new episode, you know, because it's like the same opening music or whatever. But then I'm realizing he'll get a little bit further and it will be the same episode, but he'll just be starting it mm-hmm. over and over and over again. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Rory. Uh, so about the language piece, though, this is always interesting whether or not to know sometimes whether or not it's an obsessive thing or per- perseveration or if it was because of a lack of functional language. Right or limited rank language repertoire. And so that's always the thing that I struggle with um, really firmly identifying it as, are we in a loop or is it that we don't have, we have not expanded the line or sometimes it's a matter of both, but like the school has come, you know, he has gotten in so many different loops. And like the one thing that he would become fixated on all day is uh, Miss Lovelace went home. Yeah, Miss Lovelace uh, went home to sleep. Like, and then he makes up a story and he tells everybody he sees Miss Lovelace went home. Miss Lovelace, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, and like he has all these stories and all these narratives about his teachers, Miss Miss Lovett, Miss Denman. They're on the bus. Who else is on the bus? Miss Wilson, Miss Wilson. Okay, and like it's the same narrative. And I, I feel like a little bit of like that, I feel like a little bit of that gene is because, I mean, Jack is, does the same thing, but I feel like a little bit of it is, you know, maybe the language portion of it, but then it is definitely the obsessive, you know, where they cannot move past that thought until something, can, you know, until they can come off the, you know, the real, the movie real yeah, is what I call it. It's definitely it, you know? multifaceted, right? Like multifaceted, it's not for just sure. one thing. Yeah. Because they're, I, they're I feel like Jack's language has, he has become much more expressive in his language and his pragmatic conversation over the last year, but he still really gets, like I said, stuck on those obsessive um, loops with a phrase, you know, or with a, an idea. Um, so I think it's a, I feel like they definitely, you know, kind of coincide or whatever. Anyways. Yeah. So basically we don't know what we're doing. No. <laughs> everybody knows we all, we're all just trying to figure out what's going on with our kids together. So I know you're, everyone's asking us for, what do you guys do? Do you have answers? But I, I do feel like, I it's, know. you know, like it, it is worth, if you're out there and you're worried about it, um, it is worth getting, you know, like Shannon was saying, like they're, they're looking into, you know, getting a, um, or even being evaluated for OCD because, um, if you are going down the route of medication, you know, like, like Jack is on, you know, an ADHD medication, um, it can help. There are medications, you know, that they can do together that can be helpful for those obsessive behaviors. Um, so just, just, a a thought. And you're not alone. And you are not alone. <laughs> you are not alone as we've just given our laundry list of obsessive behaviors. What we could talk about is our mom's obsessive behaviors, but that'll be another episode. <laughs> it is okay. Behavior. Let's see. Um, any advice on how to handle certain sensory behavior? For example, ripping paper like confetti, as in everyday paper explosions. Um. <laughs> I think that kind of, again, goes back to that obsessive behavior, right? right? Yeah. Um, Gracie, for a long time, tore everything in sight. Um, all of her books are in tubs in my garage right now. She cannot have access to books because she tears everything. Um, Jean and um, Rory, I know, dealt with this too, and that is toy dumping. Grace used to dump every toy. So toys that were in bins, toys that were in buckets, toys that were in anything um, would be emptied out immediately the moment she saw them. Um, So a lot of that has to do with just really trying to figure out how your 
home life is going to work. So for me, you know, one of our BCBAs was like, okay, so you need to come up with a toy system. Like if toy dumping is a problem, what is your toy system? What are you going to do about it? Um, I will say it's worked out better in this new house because literally everything has a home because I was very intentional about organizing everything before we moved into this house. It was a lot easier to do (laughs) from scratch um, than it was to do in a house that had toys everywhere already right um so almost all of gracie's toys are put up and she has to request them and what that has done is it has lessened my load when it comes to pickup because i know she only gets one item at a time and when she's done with it it gets put away and then she can have something else that she wants um so i don't have any other good answers for you (laughs) other than we put away all the paper (laughs) it's about access Yeah. Yeah. yeah It's about access and and you have to, and that's sometimes you really, really have to manipulate your environment in order to, you know, maintain. maintain, Yeah. And to help (laughs) them to not, not obsess over things. They, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not necessarily healthy. Sometimes it is, it's a good thing and and it releases stress or it's a sensory, you know, regular regulation, but you have to be the one who kind of makes that call and realizes when it's going to an unhealthy place. Um, like mm-hmm. Shannon has been doing with the tape for, for Gracie recently. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we, we've, we've put away all the books before we've, we have a toy system with the dumping. Yeah. All of those things. Um, you can, you know, set up certain times a day. I don't know if this child is verbal or not, or, or, has that comprehensive language to be able to, you know, okay, now is the time that we can play with paper and you could Mm -hmm. buy recycled paper and you could give them a stack of paper and they get to rip that paper for the day. And then you have a special recycle bin where you put that paper when you're done. And then, you know, you put the shreds in there and, and then we're done with that activity for the day. You can turn it into something like that where it's more controlled and more, um, acceptable. It's certain paper that we can use, you know, a special, you know, this is your special paper that you get to rip or whatever. And, you know, there's a way to do it where you're not wasting paper too, and you can reuse and then recycle that and grab some more. But, um, but yeah, if that's what they're fixated on, um, there's try to find an acceptable way for you and for them to access that, that behavior. And, uh, and just know that it will, it will probably change to something else at Mm -hmm. some point. Um, because it usually does. We're using some language here, um, that parents who aren't, don't, or just stepping into this arena may not really totally understand, like, uh, denied access is a real, uh, behavioral term and it is controversial, um, because they don't, there's, you're still trying to balance giving your children personal autonomy with also balancing your own capacities for how you can also manage how they're regulating themselves. Um, and so what I've always tried to do and I still try to do again, is if I am denying access to something, I have replaced it. I have already, I've replaced it with something else, giving him an immediate other option. So there's not, there's no longer the consideration, but you have denied access. Like I have all these new locks on so many other more doors of my life. So I can limit and prevent and prohibit him from coming in and taking things apart. Like my jewelry, Mm -hmm. I mean, literally dismantling them all and bending them. Um, my, you know, skincare. And I have systems for all of those things. And it doesn't matter. He's, if he's found a window to access it and he's in this realm, like he's, he's going to do it. Um, and then the other thing I was going to say is like the, uh, I never wanted to do it, but with the dumping thing, I had to completely deny access to my bedroom and he would get locked out. The moment he dumps things or throw things behind my bed because he likes to do that too. Like Brittany was saying, Austin likes to throw things into a corner. Roy's thing is let me find a hole or a bullet, you know, a, something that he can bury something in. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the, you know, random miscellaneous things will go. You will find them later. 
underneath chairs or furniture behind whatever. But it was really, you know, I was trying to create one space that was my own sanctuary. It's still not, but I had, I had no other option. I'm talking with the BCBAs. I said, he ha- I have to lock him out. I have to lock him out. And I had to kind of even make it contingent base. Like if you do this now, you've completely lost access mm-hmm. and that can be frowned upon, but how else can you manage your environment? Like I do, there's some things that require compliance, some things there are safety issues. And also these things also cost money, you know, to replace Mm -hmm. and fix and mend. And that gets and takes a toll on you as well. So it's not like, well, we just can't allow, you know, full access to those things. You try to, you try to give yourself, was it the, oh, wasn't it the, the styrofoam? He, God, have a hold of the styrofoam. My whole entire living room was covered in styrofoam. Mm-hmm. Like t- probably sometime like two times over. That's not fun to clean up. <laughs> I'd rather clean up glitter. <laughs> also don't like to clean up slime. Slime is something that has to be requested to come down. It does not have automatic access to because it, even though I make a rule that it's not allowed to leave the table, even with supervision, it just sometimes does. And it's more stuff to clean up, you mm-hmm. know? So yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tosh, you got anything? Um, no, not, I mean, not, no. Cause Jack's, I mean, I think he's kind of moved past that stage. That was definitely when he was uh, younger, but not, I don't, I don't see that with, you know, I mean, unless it's outside and we are, you know, he has one of Tyler's, um, what am I trying to say? Screwdrivers. Words are yes, hard. Yes, they are. Um, and he's, <laughs> and he is ob- obsessively and, and not, ju- and not just an obsessive way, but it's a, I think also like a deep input, you know, it's a twofold. He's, mm-hmm. you know, um, scarring a stump to death or digging a, a giant hole in the ground. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, most of the time it's, if it's, if it's not hurting anything and we're not, you know, it's not, we're not worried about it being in a particular part of the yard that is whatever, then it's fine. We let yeah. it go. So. Yeah. But have, but have you, have you heard Tosh or Marco Polo raise your hand? Jack, Mary Delman, we don't do that to mother earth. <laughs> it's true. It's a real it thing. It is a real thing. And now Jack says that to other kids at the park when they are ripping branches off trees. <laughs> That is one of my favorite Tosh lines. It really is. I love that one. And it's okay. okay touche. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I'm going to bring us to a close because I think this is a good way to end and there are more, so we can do more of these mm. later, but this one I think is going to get a little meaty. So mm. we're going to, okay. we're going to end on mm. this one. Um, Question is, how do you talk to siblings about behaviors? Oh, buddy. (laughs) We all take a deep, deep, long breath. Okay. Who wants to jump on that one? I'll go first. Um, Okay. Better you than me. uh, Austin is in between two brothers. So older brother... He, and it depends on the kid too. So you have to take into account who you're talking to and then what the, what the, what child in my case we're talking about. So I've got Austin and Ruby who are neurodivergent. Scott and Tyler are neurotypical. Um, Scott tends to be more, he'll observe and he'll just kind of shrug his shoulders and move on. And he doesn't ask a lot of questions. Um, and he, he will explain, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll try, we try to give, um, Austin jobs to do. So like for chores, for instance, like it's not fair. Austin doesn't have to do the dishes and do all these other things that I have to do. Right. Um, but what it ends up being is, um, more of like, well, we're going to have Austin help make his bed and 
as long as Austin it has a chore as well. Um, as long as Austin has a chore as well. Um, it doesn't have to be the same chore. It doesn't have to be as many chores, but as long as it looks like, you know, he's, he's contributing to the family in some way, um, then it is, uh, it tends to make it feel more, you know, quote fair, um, for, for him. So that's, that's one way we do it is, you know, okay, you have to do the dishes and the laundry. Austin's going to help me make the bed and, you know, he's contributing as well. And then, um, with other behaviors, I don't know, like it's, it's tough to say my boys are very, they're not big talkers. Um, I, I always loved Tyler's description of when, when he was really young, like first, second grade, he would talk about his siblings to others. And he would say, yeah, Austin has a lot of autism and Ruby just has a little bit. And that was a way that he could describe it, you know, as a very young child. Now that's not very accurate. Obviously there's a lot more nuance to it, but, but that helped him to make sense of it all. Mm -hmm. And, and we encourage that. And as he's gotten older, we've been able to take that, that part that he figured out on his own. And then we've, we've increased the language and given him more appropriate ways to, you know, or just, just more information about it. And, um, and he is able to, 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 yeah, explain more. Uh, it's, it's behaviors are just, I don't know. It's just tough. My boys tend to, if there's a lot of behaviors with autism, especially with, with Austin, with autism, especially with, um, like, uh, injurious behaviors, aggression, or the self injurious behaviors for him, they tend to just back away and, and remove themselves from the area. Uh, and, and that's, that's how they respond to it. And they, they know to, to just let it ride and let mom and dad kind of jump in. And with Ruby, um, they, they tend to do the same thing. They've obviously had more time with Austin. So I don't really have a great answer. Like, I don't know. It would take me three hours to explain, you know, all the things that all the different behaviors and however one responds to them. And with every, every situation it's, it's, I'm having difficulty, like making little nuggets for you, like little comprehensive bites here. But, uh, but yeah, it's basically my kids don't know any different, right? This is their life. They don't know any, Mm -hmm. this is our world. This is their life. This is normal for them. And, um, and I think they're handling it really, really well. If, if you're noticing a lot of stress or a lot of, um, issues between siblings, I think having private conversation with, one of the children is a great place to start and you need to use language that's appropriate for them and that they will understand and then build on it from there. And it's something that you can't just do once and, Oh, we're good to go. It's kind of a constant, you know, check in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, create that space for them to ask questions and for you to be able to answer them in a, in a way that they'll understand. Mm-hmm. You know what I think is really interesting because I was trying to think while listening to you, how I was going to answer this. <laughs> yeah. Um, So with Maya, Maya was nine and a half when we had Gracie. So Maya clearly knew, okay, these behaviors are not what I would consider typical. Like this is because Maya was nine and a half when Gracie was born. So she was what, 11 and a half when Gracie was diagnosed. But I do think that we haven't had to have a lot of conversations about it with Maya because Maya learned along with us what to expect, right? Um, Maya was in the home when therapists were in the home, when the BCBAs were in the home, when OT and speech was in the home, explaining things. And um, I think the benefit, too, of early intervention is they really structure the early intervention as teaching parents, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's a lot of parent learning. And because of that, Maya was taught a lot of things and we would talk about things that we were learning together. So I think because of that, we haven't had to have a ton of conversations with Maya about the behaviors because she's learning all the different ins and outs of autism right alongside of Jay and myself. I will say when it comes up is when Maya is frustrated Mm -hmm. and it's, why does she do this? Like, why? Why is why is she doing this this way? Why is she doing that? Um, and that is more born out of 
frustration than it is not understanding the action mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that Gracie's taking, right? Which is valid all in yeah. its own point. And that's a whole separate topic <laughs> to have. Well, I mean, because you, um, you, totally you guys as, as the parents, saying, can, it, it, it can yeah. be frustrating, you know? Um, so oh, understandably yeah. so for, mm-hmm. for Maya, you know? And like you said, she's yeah. walking along it with you guys, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that that has been a bit of a blessing as she's learning it right alongside of us. And we've had the talks before amongst us on other episodes where it's like there are benefits to having your older typical kids, right? right? But then there's also benefits to having these awesome typical kiddos who are younger than your autistic kiddo who've grown up. Like, like, not really knowing any different either. Yeah. Like the two of you. Um, So I'd love to hear what, you know you guys say to your kiddos. Yeah. That, that is interesting though. I, I mean, looking at it that way, because I guess I just, I knew how old Maya was in, or in the age range, but yeah, to think about it that way, I mean, nine, 11 and a half when, when Gracie was diagnosed, that's, that is more than uh, at an age to be completely, um, you know, understanding these yeah. different ideas and concepts. And um, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was what you what you were explaining was it just was happening a lot more synergistically, right? Um, right for you, right? Um, I'll go, Jean, if you don't mind. Um, Jean and I's okay. situation, um, obviously, almost identical <laughs> in in the sense of age and you know two typical girls, two diverse boys. Um, yeah, it is identical almost. But um, anyways. Um, it has been, I think, super incredible just to see, you know, and like from my perspective, just being a believer, you know, what what the kind of um, personality God has given Sloan. Um, I do think that she is not by mistake, you know, light years ab- above her age um, in, you know, the idea of like street smarts <laughs> um, and and her just her having a... Uh, a deeper understanding of, of Jack and, um, you know, because they're, they're only 21 months apart. So it wasn't really until the last couple of years where Sloan could probably see and understand, um, that there was a vast difference between her and Jack. Um, but because, because that, because she is younger and it's all she's known, it has, not that it's not hard for her, but she does have more of a um, understanding, acceptance to it. Uh, and then I think definitely Sloan getting into school and having uh, her kindergarten teacher be um, one of the teachers that has the a higher amount of, of diverse children in her classroom. So Sloan, you know, Sloan had three, I think it was like three or four autistic kids in her in her general kindergarten classroom. And so it just, you know, she, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I mean, she was the one saying like, oh, you know, to the, to the teacher, or to the para, like, oh, you know, she's just like my brother. I'll, I can help you with this or, you know, which they can just laugh at and think that's adorable because, but you know, she, it's like you said, it's not, she doesn't know any different. This is just and that's for all of them. You know, they they all, whether they're older or younger, it's all they know. It's just their world. Um, but there is the the hard conversations that whether they're older or younger that you have to have that in a level of it being like fair or, you know, them not being kind of the quote unquote glass child, you know, or what, you know, why, um, why do we have to constantly put up with with these behaviors? But I can't have you know similar behaviors. Um, so it is a it is a tough conversation when you really do have to sit down and and try to explain you know the difference between why they do it versus why you can't do it out of just I don't know. Does that make sense to anybody? How am I trying to say that? Gina? Yes, because I have to deal with it. <laughs> all the time. And right now with the hard season that we've been in, it's becoming even more confronting. Um, and McKenna's awareness level Mm -hmm. being to be more like, you know, you can't just kind of 
slide things by without her taking note that it's like, well, yeah, you didn't do that with me. Like you could maybe you know, a year ago to, or two years right. ago. Right. And, and what I've also noticed, like why we're out in public, she is immediately without any apprehension, immediately helpful to Rory. Right. Everybody sees her do it. And at school, if she crosses him, it's she, she loves to help. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she likes to do it too much, you know, and have to dial it back. But with stuff at home and with us all being in the same proximity to each other for this entire summer break, where there's no break, there's no just, you know, there was, that used to kind of pace itself differently where, you know, if they were on different schedules, even when Rory was going to center and McKenna was going to preschool, there was a isolated time that each kid had our undivided attention or full undivided attention at for a certain amount of time that they don't have anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it's this constant battle. And what, what I, my biggest frustration and, you know, God, my daughter's going to already need, she's already needed therapy for it is that sometimes she's not reading the room that it's not appropriate for her to be asking and pressing demands on me and Brad, why we're trying to force something with Rory. Mm. And that's probably been one of the hardest things. Mm -hmm. I know it's not age appropriate, but at the same point, I, McKenna, I need you to recognize that this can be dangerous. Let mommy and daddy do this. And then it's this inability to wait and kind of like compartmentalize it. It's this, even for her, this constant quenching desire to need things right away. And it's, it's a real big tug of war. That's one of the biggest battles that I think we're having where we, where we are. I think we'll get a little bit of reprieve from that when we go back to school, because mm. both of them will have their stuff, but, but then they're back home together at the same time again, mm. and they're still not getting, not one is getting more undivided attention than the other, or sorry, I should say, Rory ends up a lot of times getting more undivided attention at times, but it's in response to his behavior where McKenna, I try to do it, you know, at bedtime and our wind down time and our routine. But I don't also think that it's all sustainable like that. I have to figure out a new groove mm -hmm. to, to handle it. We're definitely in like a weird pivotal moment. I feel like in their, in their relationship and how we relate to each other in the house, why we're trying to manage these scenarios. And, you know, I think it seemed uh, as far as like pragmatic discussions and talking about Rory's difference and explaining why he does some of the things he does, it, it seemed to actually come a lot easier before than it does now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm having a hard time now versus when she was, three, four, and five. Yeah. Um, she's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, where, where that's, where this is trending. <laughs> um, I will say when we had the uh, pleasure of having the crab trees up to our house for a hot second a couple months ago, <laughs> um, there was enough. a, um, the, the interesting dynamic of, um, you know, Jack and, and Austin and, and Ruby all being able to be around each other, you know, all three diverse children with all different, you know, some similarities and some, you know, vast differences, but, um, being able to not even having to explain anything to Sloan at the moment, but then her being able to come back later, you know, and ask questions about Austin, um, and, and, being able to explain, you know, to her that yes, you know, Austin is, is autistic, just like Jack is, um, just like Ruby is, um, you know, but Austin has, um, different needs or different, or different behaviors, different traits, um, you know, that your brother may not have, or that Ruby may not have. Um, and that was a, that was a good, um, that was a good conversation, you know, cause I, I don't know that Sloan, 
has maybe ever had that firsthand experience with, you know, a, a non-speaking autistic child or, um, so it, it was, Mm -hmm. it was good to be able to have that for her to be able to see, you know, a little bit of a difference, um, um, and then, then even having the conversation with Jack, you know, who, um, well, I don't know if I told you Tosh, but Jack came up to me and was asking me questions about Austin while I was there. Yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah. And it was, and it, was it was, it was much harder to, to have a conversation with Jack about and to make him, you know, understand, but being able to just to say, you know, um, Austin is autistic just like you are, Jack. And, um, you know, and, and kind of try to explain in the, in the, in the terms he can way yeah, of, understand, of, understand of, of Austin, you know, being non-speaking and, yep. um, so it's, 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 yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> there I go with my words. Well, again. I just, it's Shannon's, Shannon's, Shannon's yawning. <laughs> um, Oh, she's coughing. She's coughing. What's happening? No, I just, I I think the way to end this is just to say, look, it's whenever you need to speak to, whether it's a sibling or another child who's, who's interacting with your neurodivergent child, it's, it's always not, it's not always easy to know what language to use, but you, the goal is to meet them at their level and to use, you know, words and, and, uh, explanations that they will be able to understand even with adults, like, I can't just throw a bunch of terms totally. at them. I need to use layman's, you know, terms that they will understand. And then, you, and then once, yeah, an example, yeah you ha- yeah. you kind of have to, you have to meet them where they are at first and then you can build on it. That's the whole point. And, um, honestly, it's the same thing with like sex ed with your kids. Like you can't just bring out the anatomy <laughs> book and just go whole hog. You have to, <laughs> you have to start you know, at their level and then work up to it. And it's, it's the same thing. I know that's a weird comparison, but I'm a big, I'm a big, big believer. Whole hog. Whole hog. (laughs) What did you wait? I'm a big believer in talking to kids about sex ed. Believer. Believer. Amen. A bit about sex ed at a young age and, and then building as they grow older, not just having a talk when they hit puberty. I don't, I don't like that. Totally. And and it's the same thing with, you know, with, disabilities around them or, or people that need different things or, or a special accommodations of some kind. It's the same kind of thing. It needs to be a constant conversation and little bite-sized chunks. Yeah. Because, because then it eventually will be a thing where they, it's not just about accepting, but, but, but where they don't, they just know that this is just the norm, you know, like, oh, we, we see this person, you know, that's maybe in a wheelchair or we, and it's just, it is what it is, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. Yep. So does anyone else vote for our next episode being sex ed? I would totally do it. Can we talk about, oh, wait, can I not say those words? I don't know what you're going to say. (laughs) I don't know what you're going to say. Vulva. Don't make me put an E on this. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah. All right. All right. A mindfulness session with... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Natasha Delman from Moms Talk Autism. We're going to do some I cannot exercises. wait oh, for us to do, do those retreats squats. for all of our <laughs> listeners. People will sign up for this, oh my God. no doubt. <laughs> and anyway, with that, yeah. and with that, let's let's sign uh, off. Jump into oh. peak of oh, the peak week. of the week. Peak of the week. Yes, I had one. That was and now my I peak right there. Was. That was it. <laughs> That was it. Brittany, that's that not your peak. You're in a big, week. gorgeous house all by yourself. I am in a uh, – this is not a cabin. It's a very nice modern home in the middle. It's a modern cabin. Yeah, it's a modern <laughs> cabin. It's very pretty. I will take pictures and I will post them when this episode drops. Um, it is completely silent. I have not seen another human other than on my phone for two days. And um, I have – Watched movies. I'm in heaven. I love being by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy people out there. I don't want to, don't want to be around anybody, but it's, it's very quiet. It's very peaceful. I have a gorgeous view and it's been absolutely lovely. Yeah. Love it. That is a good one. one. I don't think I have a peak of the week. Oh, stop. (laughs) Um, I was just thinking the same thing. Like, oh my gosh, what is my peak of the week? Oh no, I do know. Oh, my my husband came home early from his um, 
hiking trip, which is sad for him, but exciting for me because- There you go. (laughs) You know, solo parenting for a few nights was so fun. Fun. It's a lot. (laughs) Fun. It's a lot. It's a lot. Jean, what do you got? You got a peak of the week, Jean? My my parents are going to come out the first, when the kids go back to school that first week to help me out. So that was a That is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Relief. It's a lot on them. Like, it's a lot on them. A lot of moving and shifting around. Um, But I literally need it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, well, good. That's great. That's good news. Um, Okay. My peak of the week is that Maya got her first flat tire yesterday. (laughs) Oh, and that's a good, that's a good, that's a good parent lesson. It's a great learning. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. What did she do? How did she handle it? Yeah. All of those things. I doubt she changed it herself. (laughs) Um, I I went down there and I was like, we're going to change this tire because your mom's a game. How tight were those lug nuts though? I mean, was you you have to put a little, Um, little, little, (laughs) well, you have to put your butt behind that or what? You know what I'm saying? Don't talk about my lug nuts. Yeah. And your Um, butt or your butt. Or go ahead and talk yeah, about no, my butt. Yeah, you can talk about my butt. <laughs> That's fine. Um, no, I think what it is, so Maya got a car from her grandmother. And what was really interesting, it's a Saturn. And what's what's very interesting they about They don't this, make them anymore. They don't make oh them anymore. Gosh. But also, um, I guess, like, I have a Jeep. And so, like, I just have lug nuts. And you just, like, yeah. loosen them. Right? Well, what do you mean? Um, she- the Saturn has, like lug nut covers uh, that look like lug nuts so then you try to unscrew them but then they don't come off and then you're like well how do i get this off and it's like a plate you have to pop oh, a whole plate off to get to the, the actual, actual lug, lug nuts. nuts yeah yeah so that was a learning experience but we we For got everybody. it handled and then maya was well maya was like why she's like why is nobody trying to help us and i was like because everybody's a bunch of jerks no i'm just kidding i didn't say that um I said, Maya, you don't need any help because you're going to know how to do this by yourself. Yes. And we were we were changing the tire. No big deal because my daddy yeah, taught me girl. how to change a tire. And um, a older gentleman in his 60s came over as we were getting close to the end. And he said, it seems as though you have this under control. But I would not be the person I am if I just let you guys finish. Doing yes. This. There's still so good humans. Can I please help you. Yes. And I looked at Maya and I said, see, there are still good humans. And I said, you absolutely, thank you for showing kindness. You absolutely can help us. Even though I was like basically done. Um, and I said, but the requirement is you have to explain everything you're doing mm. while you're doing it, because this is a learning experience. This isn't a, a man comes in and rescues right. her experience. Yes. It's a, here's how we Together. do this. So when it happens again, mm-hmm. we know how. Yeah. Um, And then we had a really fun experience where the gentleman walked into the store. I high-fived Maya. I looked down and I'm like, hmm, your donut's flat. (gasps) Are you kidding me? (laughs) So it wasn't flat, but it was very low. But luckily we were at the grocery store that had a gas station. Okay, good. I was going to say, for the love of God, tell me it was not on the highway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. So I said, follow me to the air. And I showed her how to fill up in like what the PSI was Mm -hmm. and where to look at the machine. And we filled it up. And I said, now drive home behind me real fast. (laughs) Um, So she followed me. But not too fast because you're on a donut. (laughs) No, 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 no. I made her follow me because I didn't want her to drive too fast. And then um, it held air overnight. So it had just been sitting for a while. So it was just, yeah. But so we have to get a new tire today. But, um, but yeah, that was my peak of the week because that I feel like is a solid learning experience. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and I'll have to how she handled it in the sense of when she, she called you and wasn't melting down and freaking out. Yeah, no, she was not melting down. She's an over apologizer though, because she feels like she's putting you out. So she's an over apologizer. Yeah. Um, and I will have to send you guys all a picture of the massive chunk of metal that was in her tire. Oh, huge, huge. Yeah. Well, might be new tires for, um, Mm -hmm. Christmas. That would make you feel even better about. (sighs) No, that would make you feel angry inside, but yeah. Oh, okay. Tyler, here we go. Tyler (laughs) wants to, oh, geez. (laughs) 
That's fine. That's fine. Okay, that was the longest peak of the week ever. Um, you guys, we love you, and we're so glad you're here. And um, we hope we answered some of the questions. We have a running list. So, hello at Moms Talk Autism. If you have more, we always also add question boxes in our stories on Instagram. So if you see one and you have a question drop it in. And you guys, we have them like narrowed down by categories. So it can be about whatever you want. Like we have some questions that are for us, like as the moms and then questions about the kids and behaviors and whatever. So don't feel like it has to be like a certain type of question. Mm -hmm. Just shoot us questions if you have questions and um, leave us a review. If you loved it, if you didn't love us, send us an email at no reply at mom's talk. <laughs> That's not a thing. And we'll be sure to get back to you <laughs> real fast. Um, and I don't know what else. And we thanks love for you. being loyal listeners. Girls. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> love you. Bye. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.